we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,200 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? I'm healthy and alive, doing well. I'm glad to hear it. The only thing that's in the news and what we're going to talk about, just kind of two guys sitting across the table from each other, you know, just casual conversation. I'll take the fake Russian coup for a thousand, Alex. Yeah. Supposedly Wagner Group, and I say that very loosely, supposedly they were making a run on uh, on Moscow to try and unseat Vladimir Putin and his gang of uh, whatever Prigozhin called them, uh, criminals, moths, whatever, you know, I'm not sure. They were going to get rid of them and and uh, what's the, the defense minister, Shoigu, they were going to get rid of him uh, and a couple other people because supposedly they bombed one of their guys' location in Ukraine and they killed a whole bunch of their guys. Now, I don't know. Did you see the the bombing site? Did you see that? I mean, there was no there were no bodies. There were no body parts. I'm not trying to be graphic here because when you bomb an area where you've got personnel, you're not going to be able to pick up everything. You know what I mean? You're going to be leaving some yeah. body parts there. So if you if you take a direct impact from a missile coming from, say, like a helicopter or a, a fighter jet or, or an artillery piece, that's going to leave some damage. You know, you're going to have some some collateral damage of of body parts that are just kind of there. And you're not going to get all that. And especially if you're going to march on Moscow, you're going to want to put as much out there for effect as possible. Remember, Prigozhin, uh, a couple of months ago, on them trying to take uh, Bakhmut, you remember all of his guys that were laying out there mm -hmm. dead? You remember that? Mm -hmm. And he was blaming yeah. Shoigu because they, they didn't get any ammunition. They weren't getting resupplied. Right. Which yeah. the video is fake in and of itself. Right. The, the mm -hmm. guy's a terrible actor. He is a terrible actor. But he shows the dead guys, which I, I'm not above saying they probably shot him themselves before they recorded the video. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying they, they could have been deserters. They, they could have been deserters. Well be. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, when you get taken as a, in, in Russian military, if you get taken as a POW, the Russian military declares you a deserter at that point. You're a traitor. Because you never should have allowed yourself to be taken captive. So you can't go back. So if they do go back, they shoot them. Like, how demoralizing is that to your own people? You know, to, to your own your own fighting force. That's Actually, just, that, that's, that's a good point. That, that could have been a, a, a double-edged thing. Yeah, like, that yeah. could have been the narrative for us. But at the same time, it could have 
uh, kind of masked it for their own people so that they're, you know, because the, the, the people around Moscow and whatnot, you need them on your side because, as, uh, you know, we, we've talked about behind the scenes, that's the government. That's that's where all the people that run the government are located. So you, you want them to, um, you know, feel better about what they do. Yes, you're absolutely right. So with this bombing in this particular spot, and I, I saw the you know the the photos and stuff you know through through their um their channels and things that they that they have i i saw the crater that was there and it was literally just a crater in the middle of a field somewhere that's all it was no that's no not convincing or no equipment or... no nope 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 mm. there was a couple of um pieces of busted concrete that were there with it too so oh yeah that was yeah. all that it was yeah that, that was all that it was so they're going to march on uh, on uh, moscow there and they're going to remove them. And they they seized the town of Rostov. Then they started laying some some anti-tank mines in the middle of street corners and things. Actually, I saw some funny videos over the weekend. There were some soldiers that were standing in line at McDonald's. You know, well, it's not a McDonald's anymore, but they were standing there with regular people, you know, just their face masked up and everything else. And just standing there in full kit, you know, ordering a Diet Coke and a Big Mac. <laughs> it's kind of funny. We wouldn't do something like that, right? That just wouldn't happen. It's just an everyday thing for Russians. It's it's funny to sit there and watch. But that was taking place. And then there was an explosion that happened in Rostov, an explosion. You know, very, very scary. Very scary. Bruce, did you did you hear you heard about the the terrorist bombing? Of course, they didn't catch anybody. Uh, there, there was nobody that was caught. Well, I mean, apparently there's these things that they happen when you have sieges like this. So you, you need to be sure mm. that you're you're on point. Right. And you, you've got everybody. Did you see the, the video? I actually you did see the video. I played it for you in prep. But this is what it was. Yeah. I'm just going to play this. OK, this is this is meant for us. OK, this is Russian state media that's meant for us to see. So this is RT right after an explosion went off in one of the city centers. <laughs> We just heard uh, a loud bang near the headquarters of the uh, the military headquarters here in Rostov. And uh, we heard the screams for us to run away from this place as soon as possible. You can see a lot of people are running, but I guess so we can slow down. Right now we, we, got, we got away. Where are you guys from? I'm from Morocco. Morocco? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about everything that's happening here? I don't know. It's, uh, it's something strange. Uh, the first time I saw this thing, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, we don't know what is happening. Yeah. And we are very scared. Yeah. Soldiers. Okay, I understand. Every, yeah, yeah. We just heard a loud bang. That's why yeah. everybody started running, right? Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Uh, are you guys the tourists here? Or are you living here? Studying? No, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Studying. Students, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully this will end very soon. Right. So I'm a news correspondent and I'm running down the street and I just I happen to run into some people that are just speaking perfect English right next to me. They can say very loudly how scared they are. And wouldn't you know it? They Bruce, they were smiling. Did you see that? I mean, if you're catch that, if yeah. you're very scared, if you're very scared and you're running for your life, you're not going to have a smile on your face and you're not going to be fixing your hair. Did you see what she was doing there? She was fixing her hair mm. like, oh, I'm on camera. It, it, to be fair, that could be a ner nervous twitch uh, at the same time, to be fair. I mean, you know, but they should be like pale white as the phrase goes, you know, scared. The, the other things that uh, point that, you know, we pointed out in the video, which I didn't catch this one the first time listening to it at the very beginning of that, uh, when they first start running, you hear two different people laughing as, as you begin running. Oh, yeah. And 
in that scenario, if that was something really terrifying, you're not going to be laughing at one another. And then you heard in English right before a reporter uh, asked the, the, the couple there, you hear in English, I'm very scared. Okay, so just for a moment, go to a small town in Russia and grab somebody off the side of the street, um, you know, a young couple, and then ask them what they think of the recent events in English. See if they respond to you in, in perfect, clear English with other people around you talking English in Russia. Not happening. I don't think so. To be fair, on that point, to be fair, they were not Russians. They did say that they were students. They were from Morocco and they were studying, to be fair. And they just so happened to be... They happened to right be right there. there. Near, they, right next yeah. to that correspondent, right? Right yeah. next to him. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they were they were scared so much that they were petrified and they were just standing there. Could have been. Waiting yeah, for the been. reporter to run up. And interact with them, yeah. Could because yeah, th those two weren't huffing and puffing as much as, uh, say, the reporter there. Now back to this coup. I started getting messages from people saying that, "Oh my goodness, Putin's about to be overthrown," and I just laughed. I said, "What are you laughing at?" I said, "You know this is fake. Nobody could grasp the fact that this was all staged." Going back, back to the beginning. How many people are paying attention to the original videos of Prigozhin, the original ones, when he started this supposed, you know, whatever, turning against the uh, the people in the Ministry of Defense and Putin and company? Insurrection, I believe, yeah, is the actual yeah, words they insurrection, used. Insurrection, yes, yes, good. Insurre traitors is what, yeah, well, that, insurrection, yeah, well, traitors. Nobody was paying attention to that. Nobody knows that that even exists. Nobody could see the bad acting from the start. Then you have Putin turning his back in front of the cameras on Shoigu, which, I mean, it looked terrible. <laughs> it looked, what Bruce is, Bruce is watching that. We're, we're, we're going over the video and it's done in front of the cameras on purpose for us to see. And it's not even like they're trying. It's like, it's not even, it's not even good propaganda. It is propaganda. It's not even good propaganda. The Kremlin has been trying to get people on board with what's going on in Ukraine and to expand out wider. And they can't do that. You see, you need to have the people on your side when it comes to a war. And they don't seem to have it. They're portraying as though they do, but I don't believe that they do. I don't think that they do. And as Bruce said, what you need are the Muscovites, the Moscow citizenry. You need them on your side. And I don't believe that they have it. Now, who benefits, right? Prigozhin, let, let's just say for the sake of argument that, that it's legitimate. Let's just say that this is 100% legitimate and, and Prigozhin's gone, he's gone rogue, he's gone crazy. And let's just say that this is a legitimate coup. Who benefits? Russia and China benefit. And you ask, well, how can that be? Well, you've got a rebellious crowd in your midst now, don't you? You now have a need to get the people on your side because you're now put in the defensive position if you're Putin and company. You're in the defensive. You need help. You need the you need the people's support behind you. It also serves as a good distraction for the Chinese. So I, I would also I'd also yeah, say on. it also served a great distraction for the Biden administration because this is all that on too. news media and mm -hmm. covered up for their uh Son's involvement and yeah, along with that, along with that damn submarine, we can talk yeah. about that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Today we're talking about Mr. Prigozhin and company. So let's think about this in terms of again, who benefits? Well, the Russian government benefits. It gives them a chance to demonize somebody over here, somebody that's turned against them, somebody that's a traitor. Well, we need to now unify. Also, it gives them the ability 
to do things that they otherwise would not have been able to do. Think January 6th in the U.S., right? Are you getting that January 6th vibe? Because I am. Yeah. No injuries, no deaths, no except injuries, for no the deaths. one. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the telltale sign right there with this one. How many people did Wagner kill on the way to Moscow? How many? None. You would have seen it. If they were out there shooting each other, if the Russian military and Wagner private military contractors were actually in a legitimate conflict and there was a coup attempt that was real, which <laughs> when CNN came out and said, this is real, I didn't even need to see anything out of the Russian government at that point. I didn't need to because I knew it was fake. <laughs> but of course, we knew going into it that it was going to be fake anyway because of Prigozhin. But we could see the build up to it. We were just waiting for it. So there's a couple of different things here. Now, now that that's taken place, it gives them the opportunity to crack down on the citizenry, right? Because everybody's now a suspect, right? Everybody's now a, a potential traitor. Now you got a rat on everybody. Also, it gives them a reason to do unreasonable searches and seizures. We'll talk about that in a minute and what historical implications that has. There's one other thing. A while back, they tried to float the idea as in the Russian government, they tried to float the idea that Ukrainian terrorists had gotten a hold of nuclear weapons and they were going to launch them. Because there's something that Russia and China need to know. They need to know what our response is going to be if a nuclear explosion happens. They need to know what our response is going to be, and they don't know. There is another option here. It's just a rumor, and I can't corroborate this other than what I've heard and what I've read. And that is, supposedly, these Wagner troops on their way to Belarus, grabbed a hold of something called Vorozhna 45. What is that? That is supposedly a nuclear stockpile that the Russian military has that's under the control of the Ministry of Defense. Lukashenko also announced today, he was the president of Belarus, announced today, their nuclear missiles that the Russians have put there, that we're supposed to know are put there, by the way, those are just there to scare you. Those are not the ones you need to be worried about. Lukashenko announced today that those are going to be guarded exclusively by, guess who? The Wagner Group. Really? Does, does anybody not see this here? The German media, I mean, that's laughable in and of itself. The German media and the British media are saying that Prigozhin is now in, quote, exile in Belarus. It's the same country. <laughs> it's, they're joined at the hip, Lukashenko and Putin. If Prigozhin goes to Belarus and he's a legitimate traitor, he's going to be arrested. And I guarantee he probably won't even make it back to Moscow. They'll deal with him in Belarus. He'll never leave the capital. So there is that aspect. Now, let's you got anything to say on that, Bruce, before before we look into the historical aspect of this? I would also expand and say that, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't have gone in hiding in Belarus, he would have gone to some country like, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the West, you know, someplace in Europe, or, uh, you yeah. know, he would have defected. If, if he truly was trying a coup, failed the coup, he would then attempt to defect to another country that would potentially be willing to, you know, house him. But uh, yeah, he hasn't tried that. He went to a, another Soviet satellite state. Let's go back a little bit. Let's take a look at the Wagner Group in and of itself. I asked you, Bruce, when you came in tonight, I said, what do we have on the Wagner Group? What do we know about them? We know that they've existed for quite some time. I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock if you've never heard of them. But 
I asked you, I said, what do we have in the Wagner Group? And you said, very little. Well, let's start digging. I noticed a couple of things over the weekend. Over the weekend, I, I started seeing this stuff come in. And you know how we, we like to kind of just table something for a little bit until we see how things go. Then we can disseminate what's going on a little bit easier. I saw some headlines coming out of, uh, coming out of the Russian media over the weekend. And I thought, man, that sounds awful familiar. It's almost like they're, they're replaying what they've already done. But who would know that? I just finished reading a book and I, I finished it over the weekend. I, I actually finished it in the middle of all this while all of this was going on. It corroborates some evidence that I found in some other books uh, from the, the late 1990s. This book was written in the early 2000s. Uh, this book was actually banned in Russia. Bruce, you can see it right there. It says banned in Russia. This book was actually seized. The shipments of books, they were approved initially for sale in Russia. They were printed in Russian. And they were shipped to Moscow, but the FSB intercepted them and destroyed all of them before they were able to go on sale there. 10 million copies across the Russian Federation had been pre-ordered, and none of them made it. At least that's what they say in the book. And there's a reason for that. This book is called Blowing Up Russia. It was written by Alexander Livinenko. That was the guy that defected to us from the FSB, went to the UK, and, well, he got some polonium-210 in his tea, and he was dead in 30 days. He co-authored this book with a man named Yuri Felchinsky. It's a great book. It's about $20, euros, pounds, whatever, uh, if you want to pick it up. It's a fantastic read. But I, I thought, looking at this, I thought, man, there's a lot of similarities here. Let's, let's take a look here, right? So let's look at the Wagner Group. Then we'll take a stroll down memory lane. So let's look at the Wagner Group, right? So we have Prigozhin, right? He's the founder. Don't know how he's the founder. The guy was a caterer, literally. He was the caterer at Vladimir Putin's presidential events. He was a hot dog salesman during the Soviet Union, I believe, or something to that effect. Bruce, you're shaking your head. I bet he had the best hot dogs this side of Moscow. He, he probably did. I mean, he had to be good at what he did to get the position he had. But then also in Soviet Russia, people that deal with food, especially when you're the dictator, you are very trusted. You're like the highest trusted in the group. Yep, you got it. Okay, so we got Progosian, right? He's the founder and he's one of the leaders, okay? Next leader, we have Colonel Konstantin Pytikov. We have Colonel Andrei Troshev. And we have Colonel General Mikhail Miznetsev. Interesting. Those sound like military titles, don't they? These are not contractor titles. These are, these are military titles. In fact, these are former Russian military service personnel and GRU guys. Well, let's look at Pytikov here. Okay, so Pytikov, what did he do? He served as a military officer in Russia's experimental military unit numbered 99795, which was located in a village near St. Petersburg. The unit was tasked in part with determining the effects of radioactive rays on living organisms. You know, Bruce, that might be an interesting individual if you've commandeered a nuclear weapon. Somebody that's going to know exactly yeah. what's going to happen to living organisms as they come in contact with any kind of radioactive material. You, you might want to know that, right? So there's your nuclear expert, at least one of them. Following his retirement, he continued to live on a military base until at least 2012 and ran a private detective agency. Interesting. He ran a private detective agency. What does that have to do with anything? Well, let's take a walk down memory lane, shall we? Remember, Wagner Group was not founded until 2014. He had a private detective agency in 2012. What does that have to do with Wagner Group? Listen to what I found. In the late 1980s, just before you had the, quote, collapse of the Soviet Union, you had some changes take place in Moscow. 
you had certain agencies that were set up, detective and security agencies, private investigations individuals. And who were they? Well, they were very good individuals at what they did. Where did they come from? Well, let's just take a look, shall we? So in 1989 in Moscow, there was a private bodyguard and detective agency named Stealth. It was a registered business in 89 at the very dawn of perestroika by a Moscow resident called Ivanov, who was an agent of the 5th Department of the KGB of the USSR, which subsequently became Department Z. Can you see where this is going? Ivanov was used in the struggle against internal terrorism, and his line of contact was with a member called Colonel Lutshenko, which in his department had provided operational support for the establishment of the activities of stealth. With the assistance of Lutshenko, who used the private bodyguard firm to resolve personal rather than operational matters, <laughs> who would have thought? During the period of 1989 to 1992, stealth developed extensive contacts in the criminal underworld and the sphere of law enforcement, becoming one of the most well-known security agencies in Russia. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like, well, gee whiz. Where do they get a lot of these people? Well, they come from the state security agencies. They come from military service personnel. They come from the Spatsnats, the GRU, Russian military intelligence. And also, where does Wagner recruit from? Jails, don't they? People that are in prison. You know what? You've got a long sentence hanging over your head. If you sign this 10-year contract with us, no questions asked. All you have to do is work for us. That's it. Stealth specialized in the program. Now, again, going back to the stealth agency in Russia, the program envisaged the, envisaged the use of criminal and extremist organizations, individual criminals, and retained military personnel from the Special Missions Department of the GRU, the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry of Interior, and the FSB to undermine and break up criminal groupings and physically eliminate underworld bosses and leaders of criminal organizations. Do you know why? so they could take it over themselves. That's why. In practice, stealth provided a roof, or a cover, for a range of commercial organizations and carried out various kinds of operations to pursue on criminal and commercial competitors, up to and including contract killings. Again, sound familiar? I think we're on to something here. Stealth used another organized crime group as a strike force, but gradually the financial influence of the group and infiltration of its personnel transformed Stealth into the organized crime group's cover, and Luchenko became its puppet leader. Prigozhin? Anybody? There was no prospect for all these, all these things that they were involved in. There was no prospect of investigations into this kind of crime ever producing a trial. Any criminals involved in crimes who happened to be detained simply didn't live long enough to get to court. Has anybody been taken into custody because of this coup attempt? Anybody? You know, there's a camera, a public camera that you can watch that looks over Wagner headquarters in St. Petersburg. You can actually see it. And no one sees those offices. Nobody surrounded that office complex. Nobody. Now, if a group is, if this group is attempting to, to seize control of your capital, don't you think you should be raiding their offices? I mean, immediately, immediately, you would get people down there. You would mobilize everybody in the local FSB office, the local GRU guys, the Spetsnaz, and they would be storming that office and arresting all the personnel in there and hauling them off. You didn't see any of that. 
None of that was even going on. In time, Stealth developed into an efficient bodyguard and detective organization equipped with a wide range of technology, including special items and weapons, some of them illegal, with a payroll of up to 600 individuals. Approximately 70% of its personnel consisted of former members of the FSB and the GRU. About 30% were former members of the police force. Stealth was transferred to the Ministry of the Interior when it was set up in 1996, although it did maintain a certain degree of autonomy. Does Wagner have autonomy? I think they do. I'm pretty sure that they do. They do. They can kind of do what they need to do. They're just given a free hand, more or less. The main principle on which it operated was problem solving. If there's a problem, then a solution must be found. Does Wagner solve problems? They solve problems, don't they? Yeah, that's one manner or one way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they solve problems. Now, the question might be, during this time, you also had issues that came up later down the road, the Chechen Wars, for example. The Chechen Wars were based on the FSB actually creating the terror that needed to be created in order to blame certain groups in Chechnya so that there would be an invasion, so that there would be a war and bombings. All of this is in the book. I'm not just saying all this. All this is backed up by documented fact that they present, that Levinenko and Felchinsky present in this book. I encourage people to read it. It's a great book. It gives a lot of insights into the inner workings of the criminal underworld inside Russia. One instance of this was a, a, a supposed bombing. It never actually happened. But one thing that they did is they placed explosives, FSB personnel, they placed explosives in basements of apartment buildings where civilians were sleeping. I mean, in the middle of the night, this kind of thing. Over the weekend, I saw a, um, an article pop about a Russian media. It said the following. Have a look at this, Bruce. Moscow City Services consider implementing a curfew and begin inspecting basements around the city. Moscow's municipal authorities are considering introducing a curse for you into the city. This decision has not yet been made, but everything can change, an informed source in the city administration told Medusa. City services are also checking the condition of basements around Moscow. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds a little bit familiar. Kind of kind of bags of sugar and uh, some other, you know, instances where they uh, had, quote unquote, bombs placed in the basements. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like they're they're just they're recycling the same old stuff. Oh, by the way, I'm sure this has nothing to do with it. Do you know who the head of the FSB was at the time? Mm, I'm going to I'm going to take a guess and say someone like uh, Putin or something. Oh, how'd you know? How'd you know? Mm. He was <laughs> him and him and a guy named Nikolai Petrushev. They were both there. And then, of course, Putin later became uh, after this, he later became the um, uh, was the prime minister. And then he became the, you know, the president right after that. You know, you still had Yeltsin in there. But yeah, he was still coordinating everything with the FSB at the time. This is a, this is this storyline is a poorly written book. This is like a B action movie or something. It's an you know? actual I mean, like, book, it's, though. Oh, it's the book. It's an actual no, 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 book. I don't mean I don't mean that book. I mean, I mean, this whole narrative that that like the head of the FSB, who used to be a KGB agent, is now the the, the dictator of a, a country. And this entire story that they fabricate, it, it's like it's like a. Now it's, a, it's a terrible Bond movie, is what it is, and and yet now, people still fall for it. Yeah, and he needs the public support, Putin. He ne- he needs the public support. He needs it now. And so, what better way than to fabricate all this? Prigozhin Prigozhin is not a, a traitor. He's not he's not a rebel. He's not gone. He hasn't gone rogue. He, he didn't attempt a coup. This whole thing is laughable. To be fair, if I hadn't read this book, and I just I don't know, is fate would have it. And I'm not a fatalist, but as fate would have it, 
I just so happened to read this book at this time, and I don't know why it just fell into place. It's one of those things. And I was telling you, Bruce, what order I was going to read these books in, and that one just dropped in the middle of all this. And it just happened, and we're seeing the exact same playbook by some of the same people again. So what is Wagner? That's what it comes down to. What is the Wagner group? It's very simple. Wagner is plausible deniability, just like stealth was plausible deniability for the state security services during perestroika. That's all this is. That's all that I can put together. That's all that's all we can do here is is we can see what's in front of us that we can confirm, that we can connect and back up with documented fact. Like I said, this is such a poorly written st- I, I say it's a poorly written story because it's literally the same rehash of everything in the past, but then I I'm I'm reminded of things like being being a gamer, I'm reminded of things like Call of Duty or Battlefield and how it's literally the exact same game, but just a different skin and people buy it every freaking year over and over again. And we get fed the same crap uh, as gamers. And yet th- this is a political narrative that is literally the same crap that they fed people in the rest of the world uh, for multiple generations now. And that's why that this is why it's it's a longer it's not like Call of Duty or Battlefield where it's every, you know, every other year or so. This is one generation like, you know, there, there's a span there to allow forgetting uh, what happened. And it's frustrating in one point, because when you look at it from just the surface level, just a we expect our politicians to be doing good by the country and not to be compromised themselves right here in the United States. And then you look at the majority of our politicians are all old enough that they should remember this BS because they're they're older than dirt, many of them. So they should be up there saying, hey, guys, we've seen this before. This is literally the same narrative. No, none of them. Not one is pointing out this hypocrisy. They're not pointing out this. It's not even really hypocrisy, just just the narrative. I mean, even even the good guys like, you know, Rand or, uh, you know, Cruz, they're 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 too busy with the short term. Yeah, I get it. The transgender thing is a big deal. Or to be fair, this one, I I, I will I will give Rand a pass on this one uh, fighting the covid narrative. I'll give him a pass on that one because that's literally people were killed in that one and there should be justice. So I'll give him a pass for. Uh, you know, continuing that fight and being kind of the most outspoken on it. But there there needs to be action before too long in arresting those people that perpetrated that. Because then if there's no action, if nothing happens, it's just another it's just another political theater thing. So uh, I'm I'm just it's frustrating on a if you just take a step back and you're not looking at like you're looking at it like the average person. And to be presented this, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like explaining this to the average person. I talk to some people that are usually outside of my normal uh, interaction circle. Nobody wants to hear this. Nobody nobody will listen to this. That hey guys, Russia is a problem, and it has been for a long time. All of this is just for show. This is just for us to you know it's it's a smokescreen or or it's it's something else. It's a diversion. But nobody nobody cares. No nobody they they all hear the news media and they're like oh there's civil war in russia ha 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 yeah yeah screw russia blah 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 oh, i'm forgetting all at the same time that every country that's involved over there is literally a satellite state of soviet russia it's literally the same people and 
I don't know. It, it's frustrating. You present this idea to them and they just kind of laugh it off. They're, they're, they're like, there's no way that could be true. And it's like, it, it just, just take a moment and think about it. I mean, just take a moment, look into it. You don't even have to dig deep. This whole Wagner thing, even if you just take a couple minutes and look into Wagner and find out who the dude that's the head of Wagner is and where his origins are, just knowing, if we didn't know any of this, right? The only thing we knew was uh, the head of Wagner was a chef or the caterer for Putin at one point in time. That for me is, that is enough to say, okay, no, this is BS because you can't be in that position. You cannot be the caterer handling food for the dictator and, and then go and turn on him. No, you're one of the most trusted. You're not going to turn on, they, they, they trust you. And, and if you did turn after being, you know, this, this super trusted individual, you will be executed. If this were true, Wagner would have put out the first video and then the next day we would have an obituary of this guy dead. Yeah. You're telling me they wouldn't send a thousand Spetsnats after this guy? For that matter, even even the this guy's uh, lieutenant or something or, you know, guy mm -hmm. under him, you know, his left hand. Oh, yeah. He would have been the one pulling the trigger because then he would have gotten the position. That's, that, right. That's uh, right. So, no, no, this is this and is you know, all for show. To your point there about not digging too deep, you and I, we've been here for two hours, right? Obviously not for recording because we had a, we had a prep time, but sound check and everything. We've been here for two hours. We came in tonight. We came in here two hours ago, started recording 45 minutes ago, and we had nothing. Look what we've been able to dig up in about an hour and a half, two hours. And that's just on the surface. And that's going back 40 years. That's all it takes. That's all and it that, takes. That's another, this is another reason that I believe our political apparatus has been compromised. Because again, most of the people in the upper echelons of our bureaucracy and in our uh, politics, they're all old enough that they know this. They've seen this firsthand happen, and yet nobody in, in that position is blowing the whistle. And you know what? Reading Blowing Up Russia, reading that book, and we're going to end here, but reading that book, this problem that we have, not this this Russian problem, that's another problem in and of itself that needs to be dealt with. The Chinese problem, that's another problem in and of itself that needs to be dealt with. But this problem we have with our compromised individuals within our own circles, within our own institutions, there is another book out there. If you can get your hands on it, then I will I will make this suggestion to people. It's called The Perestroika Deception. It was written by a man named Anatoly Galitsyn. It was his second. It was his memorandums to the CIA. In there, he makes shocking claim after shocking claim of what is going to happen to these people. And I mean all these people that are down there on that stage in Davos at the World Economic Forum. Those people are signing their own death warrants and the death warrants of their families by getting into business with these people in the Far East. And that is not hyperbole. I don't say that with any kind of glee. That's a terrible thing of how stupid these people are. These politicians and these business people and these stupid college people you have in the Fortune 500 and in the financial circles. You people are so stupid you're dangerous. I don't make those claims lightly. To back up what's written in the perestroika deception, you have to read Blowing Up Russia. We're not dealing with, with a communist Marxist-style form of repression in and of itself. That's not the only thing we're dealing with. That is a factor. That's a major factor. But we're dealing with an aspect of cold-blooded killers here that cannot even be described 
to the average person to where they will understand it. And to explain it to one of these holier-than-thou morons up there on one of these stages. You people, you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea who you're involved with. And so keep it up. But I can tell you this, these problems, these corrupt institutions, all of these, these nonsensical agendas that we're being fed, green energy and all the rest of this stuff being pushed by these idiots, that problem's going to get sorted out one way or another in the end. You can take that however you like. We're going to go ahead and call this one done. Bruce, I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all the listeners. God bless everyone. And have a great evening.